Welcome everyone to another episode of the podcast. First and foremost, happy new year to all of you. Thank you so much for the continued support. Hopefully this is the biggest year of the show. And before we get into it today, please make sure you've subscribed to the YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button by searching my name, Felix Levine, on YouTube. There you'll find every episode in its full video versions, as well as smaller clips and highlights from those episodes. Please make sure you also follow me on Instagram at felix.levine. And if you want to check out my website, felix-levine.com, there you'll find everything about myself, the podcast, contact information, photos from every recording, all of that good stuff handy there. And my guest today, he is a play-by-play commentator for the UFC, and I'm a big fan of his and super excited to have him on the show. Please welcome Brendan Fitzgerald. I'm here with uh, Brendan Fitzgerald. I am super, super, super excited to have you on my show. Um, when I first reached out and you said yes, I was uh, I was stoked. So thank you for for taking the time today. It really means a lot. Yeah, thanks, Felix. I love your setup, man. When I looked into your stuff, it's like I need to get some of that sound wall stuff. Like, man, you you got it going. It's the it's the I got a little studio here in Brooklyn. Um, shout out to Josh and Brooklyn Podcasting Studio. It's a great little setup. But I heard you I heard you upgrade a little bit the setup too. I think I saw on some. Yeah. So. What I here, let me I can show you. I show think. it to me. So I used to just sit in front of guitars. Okay. Right. Because every MMA podcast, like if you just watched it, you'd think I'm hosting a country music podcast. But then so I my wife watches a lot of CNBC. She was just like, you know, they do a lot of virtual stuff. So like I put my camera kind of over in the middle there. And okay. we, we, you know, we decluttered the shelves and uh, made it a nice little piece. So yeah, like this is my office. It's a great space. And, uh, you know, 2021 brought, you, a, brought you, a little refresh. You sound clean, too. The audio is sounding good. Right. Like my microphone. Nice. I, this isn't new, but um, I don't know what I did to, like, just make it sound a little bit better. I'm glad I'm sounding better. Probably on your end. Probably because your studio is so crisp. <laughs> Perfect. So I told you a few seconds ago. Is there a little something, a little story? You've done interviews, of course. Um, but is there a little something that the world doesn't know about Brendan Fitzgerald? Yeah. So, um, some, you know, some, I have put this out on social media, but it's very rare and it's, it's like a a chuckle thing, but to me, I just think it's like funny, like, like, you know, we, in our position as, as broadcasters, when you come up the ranks, you do just get to interact with cool people. You know, like I met the Hanson brothers in Casper, Wyoming, they were there to do a hockey thing. You know, it's just like, it's just kind of neat. I, and like, I, uh, this should be the one that I tell. I, I was disappeared by David Copperfield too in Casper, Wyoming. This is actually the one I'll tell. I'm calling an audible because the one I was going to say was I judged a cupcake contest with Maury Povich and his <laughs> wife, Connie Chung. How did you end up, how'd you end up there? So that they, they have a summer house on Cape Cod where I'm from in sandwich. And they were doing like a sandwich celebrates its heritage. Like, you know, I don't know how many hundred, 150 years two 250, whatever it was. Sandwich is the oldest town on Cape Cod. And so I was working in Boston as the sports guy at uh, Fox affiliate there. And like, you know, being a native, they were like, would you come down? And then they got Maury Povich and Connie Chung to also be judges in the contest. 
And so that was kind of funny. Like I'm sitting, I have a picture of me like eating a cupcake and Maury's sitting right next to me. And uh, it's just kind of funny. Like I, I got to chat with him a little bit and uh, he had to take a phone call um, from Peter Costas, who is a golf analyst on CBS because Connie for his birthday got him golf lessons with Peter Costas. So Maury had played around that morning and he wanted to talk with Peter about how his swing was doing. I was like, is this real life? This is bananas. But then the other one was David Copperfield came through Casper, Wyoming and did like a show. You know, he does his at the MGM in Las Vegas. I've seen it. It's insane. I was sitting front row and it's insane. And I was sitting front row in Casper. And because I worked for the news station there and our they advertised on our station. So they were like, watch, come and watch one of News 13's personalities disappear. And like I won the drawing in our little newsroom. It's like anybody who wants to do this, throw your name in the hat. And I did it. And so I, I think I saw that this trick he had to reveal recently, like in court in the past couple of years, it was the trick where he makes like 13 people disappear on stage. And so wow. people were like, well, how did it happen? And I'm just like, well, it's a lot of running. Like you just <laughs> you, you get up there and then like, and now I can kind of see it a little bit better when you watch it. It's still kind of crazy. That one I do know, but um, yeah, you just like sit there and then all of a sudden you're running out the back and you run, run around the side and it's awesome. It's insane how good the trick is. But I only say that because uh, I'm pretty sure he had to reveal that in court because I don't know if somebody got injured. I don't know what uh, the thing was, but Copperfield's a man. And uh, yeah, so there's, there's a couple I'm rambling already. I love it. Well, so I want to bring you back to, to the days in Wyoming where you're uh, I believe doing play by play for high school, volleyball, wrestling, rodeo amongst uh, many other things. Yeah, it wasn't play-by-play -play at the time. It was, okay. um, I my first professional play-by-play -play job was with the UFC. Okay. It was um, it was local sports guy. It was, you know, Understood. NBC. And and people are like, NBC has a sports guy in Wyoming? It was just like every place in small towns. Because those of us from the Northeast, like, the world doesn't exist outside of big cities, oh, you course. know? But then, like, you go up to, you know, Plattsburgh, New York, for instance, has, like, an NBC affiliate. So it's you know around town and so casper has one too and that was my first job so i'm on at six o'clock news in the 10 o'clock news monday through friday and it's like here's what happened in sports today and it was a lot of denver highlights but also you cover the local stuff so it's like what do they cover it's just like well casper has two high schools so we blanket that they have a junior college uh we had a short season minor league baseball team we had a semi-pro indoor football team like and you just cover it you know, and just like, here's the highlights and all that sort of stuff. Now, was the ultimate goal, um, I mean, if I told you maybe 10 years ago, you'd be you'd be doing play-by-play -play for the UFC, what do you tell me at that point? Yeah, I mean, 10 years ago, how old am I? 28, uh, we're in 2011, so I hadn't, no, I moved in 2010 to Texas. So yeah, I mean, I that was on my second job at that point, but yeah, I mean, you talk about, far in the distance and like what like how, no probably not i mean that's before the ufc is even on the fox deal you right. know what i mean so like the ufc like is barely it's not barely a sport but it's like that is it's way niche i mean we're still even kind of niche but we're niche on espn you know it's big difference like that was what fuel tv and just like late night cable reruns highlight videos vhs tapes and stuff so i would have been like well something probably has gone very wrong in my career <laughs> that's what i would have told you 10 years ago if you were like you're going to be the play-by-play -play guy for the ufc i'd be like well what else am i doing to supplement my income <laughs> that's what i would have told you and i mean were you a, were you a fan though of the of the sport 
of, of MMA at that time? No, like in, but in, um, so like I always tell people my first, you know, kind of UFC experience came in the fall of 2010 when Cain Velasquez knocked out Brock Lesnar. Okay. That was, uh, and, but that was because I was visiting my buddy in San Diego because the Patriots were in town that weekend. So we were going to go to the Pats game. And uh, that Saturday night before the game, we were just out of the bar and uh, that event was on and it was like no cover. It was just, you know, the bars were packed on a Saturday night in Pacific beach, California. And it was like, you can't look away. Like Brock Lesnar was a big enough star. And it was just like, all right, I'll, these guys are about to, bash each other so everyone was kind of watching it was just one of those uh, big ufc pay-per-views that was on at a bar and uh i just remember you know it's just like holy smokes you know it's just one of those like crazy sporting events and it i didn't i didn't follow through on it i wasn't like i gotta watch more of this but i do like crystal clear memory of enjoying watching it and then it was one of those like when the big pay-per-views happen to be on at whatever bar you're at or uh when i worked at espn like they would have the fights on the screens and stuff like that. And I never look away, you know, from, from the biggest fights, but I didn't follow through because I was just so focused on my career and what I was covering to get to the next step. And um, you only have so much time for being a fan of other sports. And it just wasn't, you know, I always like to train like a fighter, like I'll, you know, hit a bag at a gym. Like I was, I like that mentality of it. Like they're in awesome shape and, you know, jump rope and hit a, bu- hit a bunch of bags or whatever. Grappling was something that was totally like not into, in, into what I was um, ever into, but uh, you know, come around and loved it. And so like, really it was just as a casual kind of watch it when the big fights were on until, until like the, the opportunity came up to join the contender series. Now, before we even get into that, I'm, I want to take you back uh, to a young Brendan Fitzgerald growing up in yeah. Cape Cod. Was the goal always to make it into the sports world in some capacity? Was it, um, was that always your passion? I mean, what did you hope when you were, you know, coming up in middle school, high school that that life would look like as an adult? Yeah. I mean, I didn't imagine it would look like this UFC, but it was sports broadcasting, man. It was, it, I mean, I love sports so much. So, um, I was, and I, and I was the type of kid I've kind of changed as an adult. I was the type of kid that didn't like work. Like I didn't like to rake the yard. I didn't like anything that I didn't like, you know, I, I would mope about or whatever. Right. I, was, I, I think a lot of people are like that. And now it's just like, Oh, you need me to rake the leaves. Yeah. I'll go, you know, get the heart pumping a little bit and do it. And it's like a good day's work feels good. But when I was a kid, I was like, I got to do this because I'm not going to be uh, um, somebody who, I'm not going to crunch numbers and then like enjoy my weekends. You know, I was just like, I got to work in sports, but, but I was always sports broadcasting. Like I was born in Boston. Uh, We moved to Pittsburgh when I was a baby and then moved back when I was six. But I want to say before we even moved back to Boston, I was such a big, like Penguins fan, Steelers fan at the Pirates fan at the time. And like, I asked my dad how the people on TV got to do it. You know, I thought, you know, you think it's a hobby, right? Like how do you get to go to the games and be the guy calling the big moment. Um, probably didn't put it in those words at five years old, but like, you know, I found out it was the career and like, that was it, man. Like, I mean, seriously, I was in high school. I was in the radio club as much as I could be. Like, I think I was like one of three people in the radio club, but I was just like, I'm going to have a sports talk show. You're telling me I can talk into this microphone and whatever. So I had a sports talk show. Then there was a great teacher that kind of, was able to follow through on that. He was just like, Hey, what if we put the microphone in the basketball 
court and you can call the play by play for basketball. I was like, yep. So did that, you know, just got every bit of experience as I could. And then when it came to colleges, it was like, I'm going to be a sports broadcaster. So now where should I go or what should I do to do that? It was, it was always the mission and it's changed constantly over the years, what the dream job is. And that probably will still change until I'm done. But, um, you know, like it was always like sports center. I mean, sports center was the crown jewel. And then, uh, it became like play by play and sports talk show, you know, sport, like sports talk show on the radio to me, was something that gripped me for a while. Um, but then you just, you just go where the opportunities are. You kind of like refine what you're good at right now. What can I, what bridge can I cross right now? But it was always this business for sure. Now there was one story that I saw, uh, I believe it was on your Instagram that I really, um, it was, first of all, it was, it was heartfelt and it was, uh, a beautiful story. It was, um, I believe it was the introduction that uh, your mom had with a, an individual at Seafood Sam's. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was from my podcast over the summer. Yeah, Exactly. And I think uh, for the people that are out there that, that aren't familiar with this story, maybe I'll let you just give a brief synopsis. But it's a, it's a really cool story, I think, just because it shows um, first, like, how funny life works um, yeah. sometimes. And also just, uh, you know, I think you i mean even in just talking to you for for 15 minutes you can tell and listening to your stuff obviously uh the kind of hard work and motivation that goes into to things every day but then that coupled with you know right time with yeah. uh you know the beautiful story with your mom that I'll let you just briefly share um can can change someone's life yeah i mean um great to work hard you need to um but you need some breaks like you just need your breaks and it's not like you need to have something like this happen to to make it to where I am. It's right. just that it'll happen. Like it'll just it'll be part of your journey. But this one for me was um, I was in Wyoming working and my mom, uh, you know, back on the Cape, whatever, went to a seafood restaurant. Her friend is a is a chatty one. Like she's just the best, you know, uh, Jan. And so she saw a guy sitting at the bar with an Ithaca T-shirt on. He had a, he had like a bar T-shirt on it said Ithaca, New York. So she just all right, I'll just go chat with this guy for a while. <laughs> like he was probably like mid bite, you know, with his family. Um, but like, uh, she was just like, Oh, her son went to Ithaca college, you know, whatever. And, uh, he was like, Oh, I went to Ithaca college. And so then my mom's in on the conversation and they're just chatting and, uh, Oh yeah. His name's, you know, Brendan. It's like, Oh, I have a son named Brendan. And then, Oh yeah. He does the sports up in, uh, Wyoming. Like he went to Ithaca and he did the journalism thing. And now he's, do he's a sports anchor in Wyoming. And the guy was the, at the time, the vice president of news at Fox 25. So, uh, basically, or no, he wasn't the vice president. He was like the assistant news director. That's what he was. When you're the news director, you're the vice president. Um, he was the assistant news director at Fox 25. I mean, the assistant news director at a, major market station number one that's like any type if you're coming up in the business that is like somebody you want to like if you can start having connections and relationships with assistant news directors or even executive producers in big market cities not to mention the one that i was ultimately on my dream job list the where where i grew up and all that um to have that connection there he's like okay well my mom got his business card next time i'm home i was able to email him and establish a relationship. He said, yeah, come in the next time you're home. We can chat. I just sat in his office and like, you looked at my Wyoming tape together and all right. So like, you know, you need to do this or whatever, but you're, you know, you got your potential. You just need to like 
on your way, you know, keep in touch. And so I did, but, um, that ultimately I end up at Fox 25 one day, you know, and I didn't think so at the time that I would definitely end up there, but then I made another move, uh, to Texas, as I mentioned. And then, um, then he like reached out to me. I just sent him my stuff every six months or whatever, but anyways, ultimately became a connection. I was just like, at one point I was just like, well, I'm probably going to work there one day. I don't know when it's going to happen, but like, you know, my connection there is really good, you know, and, uh, all because of a chance meeting at a seafood restaurant. You know what I mean? It's just, it's incredible that that break happened and how much I owe to that. Um, and it's kind of funny, like I would always attribute any success I had to that break. Like when I got in Boston, I was, I was the younger guy. I was the main sports anchor. I was 30 years old, 31. And like, you know, the main anchors are in their mid to late forties and the weather guys in his mid to late forties and whatever, and they're established and they liked me. They were great to me. You know, that's one thing I learned early is you don't want to make the jump too early because all of a sudden you're up there with people that have a ton of experience. You know, you put a 24 year old, you know, play by play MMA guy and sit him next to Rogan. Like it might not work out that well, you know, like, but they were great to me. And I kept being like, well, I just got this break. You know, my mom happened to meet Paul and that was, you know, he's just like, no, you got here because of your talent. Like they would kind of pump me up. Like, no, it's not just the break. Like you have to follow through on that and you have to be able to live up to it. But uh, you know, the break needs to happen in the first place. And it did. And I'm just super thankful it did. Now, take me back to your, your mindset when you're working in Wyoming. And then, you, so you worked as well in Texas, correct? Yeah. So I went, uh, Casper, Wyoming was the first on-air job. Rio Grande Valley is the market in Texas. That's Brownsville, McAllen. That is a way down. That's five minutes from the border. That's that's a border. Gotcha. You know, that's like, you know where Texas goes into the Gulf of Mexico? Right. That's where it is. Okay. Like, at the point. Like, same latitude as Miami, like way down. People don't think go Texas doesn't go that far. Um, that was a very unique experience, but yeah. Now, what is the mindset when you're working there? I mean, you're clear, you know, a little away from home, obviously. Um, yeah. You're still young. You're trying to work it and make it in this industry. Um, what's the mindset? I mean, is it uh, a grind every day? Are you really enjoying it? Uh, what's what's I mean, going in your head? Yeah, every part of it. You know, every part of it. There's days you're driving to work and you're swearing the whole time, like. I can't believe I'm here. Why am I doing this? I'm making no money. People don't realize, you know, everybody doesn't make a lot of money in their entry level jobs. That's fine. You know what I mean? But um, you just, you just, just no money. And, um, you know, what am I doing here? I'm away from family. Like, I wonder what my reaction would have been if I was in a small market in Texas to start, like the Casper market, like 198. All right, there's 210 media markets in the United States. That was 198. Um, you know, and it's just like, it's so out there and remote and the winters sucked. You know what I mean? Like there are small markets that you can start at that are an hour and a half outside of Dallas, you know, or, or like, you know, in like, you know, the middle of Pennsylvania where it's just like, okay, well, like Philadelphia is two hours away, you know? And so then you're still covering some of those big mm -hmm. sports at the time. Like Wyoming, you're just out there. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I always knew it was a part of the journey. It was like, whenever it got really tough uh, and you're driving your crappy car to, to work, then you don't know if it's going to start so that you can get to work, you know? And meanwhile, you're the person on TV wearing a suit so the yeah. people in town think you're like doing okay um <laughs> like you're not and so uh like yeah it's just 
But like anytime it got so bad, anytime it, you're really like down in the dumps about it, it's just like, well, do I want to do this? Yes, there was no other option. I wasn't like, I wasn't like, well, maybe I'll do this industry. Then you can kind of make some money. If you're an accountant, you can be okay in your 20s, you know? But it's like, no way, no way. I'm never doing that. And I've I heard enough from people while I was in college and early on. It's like, just get through the grind. It's going to pay off and just like get to where you're wanting to go. And then also it's like at the end of the day, like when I, you know, uh, you know, put on my crappy suit and like wore my $7 ties from Ross dressed for less and like wore, put on my own makeup to go on and do highlights of the girls volleyball game. It was fun. Like that, that part is still fun. And it's just like, well, if that's parts fun, then you're doing the right thing and, and you'll get to where you want to go. But it's like, sometimes you're on fire. I just made an awesome thing. I'm going to put that on my resume tape. That could get me the job. Like you'd have those moments of like, that could be the thing that catches the attention and gets the next job. And that's something that now I don't really get. Like I get something that's, that was a great call, but I'm not like, cool. I wonder if the NBC sports guy will let me call NHL someday because of that call. So you kind of lose that. So you get those moments of euphoria about it, but it was sprinkled in with just a, a lot of, a lot of junk too. And a lot of like, you know, and looking back on it, when you get older, you, oh, I should have had a better mindset towards that. If I, I wish I had this better mindset, but you only get those sort of things with experience and age, you know? And so uh, that was part of it. Were there ever any doubts along the way, if you'd quote unquote, make it, I don't know what your definition of make it at the yeah, time was. I mean, yeah, I think, um, so like your definition of making it, I think changes because when you start, you know, you're like, well, yeah, I'm going to do this and this. And then my dream job is to get to Boston. And then my dream job is to get to ESPN and anchor sports center. It's like, yeah, I can do it. You know, like I could do that. Um, you, you almost have a self-inflated sense of how good you are too when you're a beginner. I think that happens in a lot of different things. It's like, oh yeah, look at me. Like I'm on fire. I'm going to get there. And then you like, you know, you get in the business and then you see like in Casper, so, you know, in those small markets, you sign a contract for a couple of years, you know, you're going to be there for a little bit. Um, but then you see other people that are trying to get their next job. And then you're like, wow, like that person's good too. Like my friend Walter, he's, that's, he's good. He's a good news anchor and he's having trouble getting his next job. So, man, maybe I should pare down my make it to I want to work in a market with pro sports teams, you know, so that I can cover the NFL and the NHL and, and baseball and whatever. And like if you told me in Casper that all of a sudden, like you're not your career is not going to take you to Boston ever, but um, you're going to be able to work in, you know, St. Louis and cover the blues and the Rams at the time. You know, I'd be like, that's cool. That's cool. That's big sports. Never wanted to live in St. Louis, not a particularly awesome city, but uh, yeah, man, that's what I got in the business for. If you told like, you're going to spend your career in Denver covering those teams and you're going to be the 30 year guy in Denver that is just the part of the fabric of the sports industry there. I'd be like, yeah, I'm good with that. I'm that to me then became making it and anything on top of that would have been gravy. And as such, my big market job you know, from Texas to Boston, that the big jump that you like dream about, can I make a jump that big? Or am I going to have to go four more jobs in between? Cause some people do it that way. Um, mine happened to be Boston. And I was just like, Holy smokes, I made it, you know? Um, I think it's also, uh, inspiring to hear, you know, for myself, someone who's young and, and interested in that, in that world. Um, and in just in talking to you for just 20, 25 minutes, 
it's quite clear that you uh, really have that mentality where you're going to – I don't know if you always had this or maybe you disagree with my my analysis, but you, you strike me as someone who's willing to put their head down and grind. And, you know, that – and I think that's also – it's easier said than done. It's also easier said yeah. than done when you're away from home and you're in the middle of Wyoming, which I imagine you never imagined really you'd ever be in. Um, right. Have you always had that little that, – that mentality of, you know what – I want this, so I'm going to do everything it takes to get there. Well, I think everyone has it. Um, I'm going to borrow something that I heard. It's not mine. It's Jerry Seinfeld's. Okay. And like, this is the most popular video I ever posted to my Twitter account. Okay. Um, if you love something enough, it's not a grind. Like, there will be parts of it that are grindy. Like I mentioned, you know, you got to get through the tough parts. But like, like I said, like, if it's fun to step on camera and do those highlights at the end of the night, and you like that part of it enough, then you will do whatever it takes to keep doing that. And this Seinfeld was on Howard Stern, like in the um, earlier in the year, like in May or something like that. And I, I don't listen to Howard Stern regularly. Like I don't have satellite radio, but like when he has a good guest on, I'll sign up for a free trial so I can listen to the interview. <laughs> so like he had, he had Seinfeld on. I was like, well, I got to listen to this because I'm just a huge Seinfeld fan, both for his show and his comedy and stuff. But just like, he's a smart, he's just right. a really smart guy. And he has this life perspective that a lot of people don't have. And he's able to make light of it. So I was like, what, what a perfect time to listen to Jerry Seinfeld for an hour. And, um, they were talking about the Michael Jordan documentary, the last dance. And like Howard was mentioning, it's just like, Oh, I just, I appreciated so much the will that he had to get better and to ultimately, you know, he's just like, and I had the same thing in radio where I was just bad. I was bad at first. And I just, you know, wanted it enough. And I just had the will to get better. And, and Seinfeld corrected him. He says, what you did was not will. And what Michael Jordan has would not will that, that puts your head down and grind only gets you so far if you don't like it. He's like, what you had and what Michael Jordan had and what I have is love. Mm. If you love what you do, you will never run out of energy to do it. You know, and I, and I, I was, I, you know, I was just like, oh man. And that's when I started putting more, I started getting a little more creative with my Instagram this year. I was just like, it doesn't just have to be pictures of me and my family or like, uh, you know, I'm in Vancouver, look at this building, you know? So I was just like, oh, you can put out messages and different things that resonate with you so i clipped off like two minutes of that and for some reason nobody on this is weird on instagram like it got like 400 views it got retweeted and retweeted like lewis riddick put it out i want to say it has like 800,000 views it's like a little two minute clip and it's static it's not even video it's i just made like a quick thing i put a picture of of each of the guys on there and it was just like here's what it takes to be great and um it's like two minutes of like seinfeld saying it's love you know love is the he put, as he puts it, the bottomless pool of energy and you'll never run out and you can have the discipline, the work ethic, whatever. And that's all good. But if you don't love it, it doesn't matter. You know, if you have disciplined work ethic, but you're doing something that you don't love to do ultimately, then, then you're not going to achieve as high, you know, you could be good at something and whatever, but you're not going to be like really good. You're not going to achieve to the ultimate level that you ultimately want to. I really like that. And I also, uh, it makes me wonder for you, what is it about this sports broadcasting world that you've always loved? Um, I'm a Leo. So I like attention, always <laughs> liked attention, always like to talk um, and always love sports, as I mentioned. And so it's like, you know, when you're out in your yard shooting baskets and you're in your head, like 
doing the three, two, one call of the game type of thing and like playing knee hockey and, and announcing along to it. And it was just like, I was just such a big fan of sports that I was like, I got to do it. And then when I started doing it, I found out that I, it's like, you do love it as much as you think. And then the more you find out about anything, the more there is to know, you know, like, uh, what was the quote the other day? It was like, as our Island of knowledge gets bigger, so too does the shore of our ignorance. You know, mm -hmm. like as you start learning more about something, you also understand how much you don't know about it and how much you want to keep kind of conquering that. And so, uh, so about sports broadcasting it was just like, yeah, I just loved it. Just, just the sports talk shows that made me laugh, the highlight guys on a sports center that were funny, the call of the game that was iconic for a big moment, just all the different parts of the entertainment of it and front row seat for sports and everything. It was just, uh, and then, you know, to be on camera, to talk about your, well, in this case, talk about myself, but like, you know, to uh, hear your voice and to like have that attention. It's like, you, there's plenty of news people that don't get in it for themselves. And then like, there's a lot of people that like, like the time, you know, like, like Bruce Buffer likes hearing himself yeah, do yeah. all that. And, um, but we, but you have to have an element of that to be really, really good at it. And uh, you, then you got to know how to marry it. And so, you know, it's just, it, there's different parts of it that I've loved and just, you just keep finding uh, new parts of it that are just, that are just a lot of fun. Now, I know you did the the Contender Series before your, your first call to, uh, for uh, UFC Fight Night 123, I believe, yeah. Ortega versus Swanson. But take me back to that day that you get the call that you're going to be calling a fight night. I mean, what's, uh, go what's going oh, through that? Oh, the call for the fight night? For the call for the fight night. Yeah. So uh, I was on Cape Cod visiting family, I think, when I got this. A weird time. Um, we were living in South Carolina, just on the outside, other, you know, I say South Carolina, but Charlotte area. That's where I worked for ESPN. Got laid off by ESPN in April. Uh, got the contender series. So, you know, so we've gone through that summer. And then I knew I had known that I was going to keep working for the UFC in some capacity, but I had no idea what. At the time when I ended the contender series, uh, my boss just had a baby. So he, like, he wasn't even at the last one. He's like, I'll be talking to you, you know, whatever, but hands full. And so I went back to South Carolina and it was, you know, early September. And then I had nothing on the, on the horizon. Then it, like I was laid off, but then this contender series thing came a couple months later. Cool. And then it was just like, well, there's definitely going to be another season of contender series. And I was like, okay, cool. But I wasn't like a full-time guy I was paid by the show. And so then it's like September and it's just like, all right, well now what, you know, now it's like, I don't know when the next thing is. Uh, but I, you know, at the time they almost, I think, or they were going to think about making contender series, another season in the winter. I was like, okay, well, I, I can make it till then. We're good. Um, then like in our house in South Carolina, which we rented, uh, we discovered mold in it. I'm just like, oh, there's like some mold in the air ducts. Not good. We had a two-year-old at the time. So we were going to go visit my family like a, a few days later. And, and like the guy who was like checking out our house, we were just like, should we just get on a flight tonight? And he was just like, yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, get them to clean it out. So we're like, oh, Jesus. So we'd like rush, go up to Cape Cod. So I'm visiting my family on Cape Cod. Um, how We're in touch with the people trying to clean the house out, like make sure there's no mold in the house. And then like get a call from my boss when I didn't know what was next. And like, I'm at a family friend's house and it's just, they're just kind of like, they, I think in their heads, they thought the UFC thing, okay, like when are you going to start covering real sports again? You know? <laughs> and, uh, but like I had known from the contenders, I was like, this is, you talk about a fun gig. Right. You talk about a great 
sport and fun and like play by play all of a sudden was just a blast compared to doing studio stuff. And I was just like, no, I'm, I was just like, if they tell me to be in it for a long time, I'll love it, you know? And uh, so I got a call from my boss and called him back. And then he was just like, uh, he told me about Fresno. I think then it was like mid September, something mid, maybe mid September. Was it that? Is it early September? Something like that. Um, but yeah, so that was that. I want to say that was it. And uh, I was just like, okay, cool. I'll be ready for that. And then we like, you know, we eventually moved out of that house, stayed with my brother-in-law in Arkansas. And I was like, well, let me get through this Fresno thing so that, you know, we're not moving wherever we're going to end up. Then we're just like, where should we move to? All of a sudden we can move to any place in the country. Then we're in Arkansas for a few weeks. And I'm just like, or we could just move to Las Vegas now. And then, you know, just be there and then I could work the Fresno show. And then it's just like, Hey, UFC, I live in Vegas now. And uh, my wife and I actually met in Las Vegas a long time ago. So we had history there. And so we had other friends and so, yeah. So like I found out about Fresno and all this was happening in the fall. And then like, you know, uh, coming up on that show, I knew it was like kind of for a job almost. It was another sense of an audition. I was just like, if I do this one, well, then they'll keep asking me to do UFC shows. And then then maybe I have a job now. And so that's how it worked out. So real quick, so your the contender series, that was your first time doing play by play. Well, I had done play by play in college. Okay. You know, okay. And but you know, how many years had gone by? Right. Twelve, twelve years had gone wow. by. Um that spring, or I guess winter spring at ESPN before the layoff in April, I called four college basketball games, play by play. Um so yeah none of them were in person all of them were on the remote wow. the, the remote broadcast i was calling a saint uh, i was calling a texas tech baylor game from north carolina you know in a in a off a monitor with an analyst and we were on espnu or and uh yeah and so i just had a handful of those games and as soon as i did those games even though we weren't at the arena or anything i was just like geez this sitting in the studio for halftime that's boring now you know yeah. he's what do we do? Okay, welcome in. So and so has twelve points, four rebounds. Let's get to the highlights. Blah blah blah. Commercial break. Commercial break. All right, send it back to the second half. Like that, all of a sudden became the layup line, and it was just like, no, this play-by-play thing. You're like voicing stuff as it's happening. You're, you know, you're on for two hours calling a game. Like it, um, you know, kind of fell in love with a new thing that I didn't think was missing in my career at that point. Now, talk to for for perhaps the the casuals out there that don't understand the art of play-by-play calling. Will you um, kind of run through how that is different from anything else in the in the broadcasting scene, and perhaps uh, then what what your preparations would look like as a play-by-play announcer for the UFC? So it's very. I always the easiest way to boil it down is if you're in the studio, you are either talking about something that has already happened or that's something that has not happened yet. Mm. Right. You're, you're, it's a preview show. What do you look for in this fight? Blah, blah, blah. You're predicting the future. Who's going to win? How's it going to go? What's the X factor? But when you boil it down, it's all, that's all just noise. That's, that's just noise of like, here's what we think is going to happen. Nobody ever knows. Um, you know, and then the, the recap, you know, after something's happened, all right, let's relive it. And that's, there's value to both of those. Like I love getting ready for a big fight with a preview show just as much as anybody else in Fox NFL, whatever. Um, but, and then the recap show, you want to see it again, you know, just be like, okay, good job, Moreno and Figueredo. 
pay-per-view next month, everybody. It's like, no, you got to relive that, you know? And so there's value in both of those, but in the, in the role of the broadcaster and those, nothing is as fun as, you know, calling the big head kick, calling the shot, like wondering aloud to everybody watching with them, you know, like my hands are being clenched as this rear naked choke gets set in, like, is, is he going to get out? Oh, and he's out, you know, like, but like, we just get to voice it. And so to be the voice of that, and then to, to be the voice of that in real time and kind of like keep tabs on it. Like when wonder boy fought Jeff Neal and like, he had that knee injury. So yeah. like wonder boy's cruising and all of a sudden, like he's got to make it through five more minutes on a knee that we don't know how bad it is. And it's just like, that's like, sweaty palms like is he gonna is he gonna be able to move or now he can't move as well so neil's gonna tag him with something or whatever so to like live in that moment of um anxiety with that everybody's feeling when you're watching a big event but to be able to voice it and kind of like be cool under pressure but then have the outbursts of the big knockouts and then your voice gets to live on that finish or highlight forever and um unlike in other sports like they don't show a lot of NFL promos with Joe Buck calling right. like touchdown giants. Like that's not really part of the promos, but in the UFC, it's all part of the, that's promos. a great point. Like, you know, and so I learned that when I called Sean O'Malley's knockout, which was the first contender series that I did. And then they used it on a promo, like a week or two later, like, Hey, check out the contender series. And then like my call of the knockout, whatever. And I was just like, Oh man, I was like, we found something here to like stroke my ego, great <laughs> fights. Uh, like just, you get all of it. And it's like, you can't make it about yourself, but you do have to honor the moment with a big call. And then just the fact that they're going to use that to promo stuff is just, it's just so cool. I mean, it's just, it's just uh, makes it just so much fun that, that I didn't really expect or know about, you know? And now we're just going to take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime sponsor in U.S. Wellness Meats. U.S. Wellness Meats has over 400 all-natural whole foods in their online store at uswellnessmeats.com. All of their beef, lamb, bison, and dairy products are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. They also offer pasture-raised heritage pork, free-range poultry, and wild-caught seafood. They specialize in every single diet under the sun and have hundreds of paleo, keto, Whole30, sugar-free, and AIP-friendly options. All of their foods are raised on family farms dedicated to sustainable and ethical principles, so you will never have any pesticides, herbicides, antibiotics, growth hormones, or GMOs. They ship anywhere in the country for only $9.50 for shipping and handling, and most orders are delivered within 24 to 48 hours of leaving their facilities go to uswellnessmeats.com today and when you use promo code podcast that's p-o-d-c-a-s-t you'll receive 15 percent off store-wide savings again go to uswellnessmeats.com use that promo code podcast and you'll get 15 percent off of every single order go check it out today now let's get back into it and i think what's what also really impressed me about you is is and and you know anik and and all of you guys really i mean i i i think what there's a couple things First, it's been so cool to see all of these UFC commentators and whether it's Megan Levy, Laura Sanko, all of you guys grow in a, in a, in a yeah. weird way um, together because as the sport's grown. And then I think also what, again, what impresses me about about yourself is how uh, easy you guys make it. You know, how your 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 rhythm with, with Bisping or Felder is, uh, it, it feels so natural and 
that to to the viewer, we don't maybe always think about that. We're like, oh yeah, they're just doing their thing. But I'm wondering, you know, one, has it always been that kind of fluent? Um, is it right. easy to to work on that rhythm with them? Is that something you guys are even conscious about or talk about? And for you as the play-by-play, um, who's, you know, kind of leading the show in that sense, um, how does that, you know, work in and factor into your preparations? Yeah, the, the preparation part of it is very minor in terms of like, I don't, I'm working with Felder. Okay, so how am I going to prepare differently? That, I mean, for me, that doesn't cross into it unless it's like, I'm calling an Edson Barbosa fight and I'm working with Felder, different story. He's yeah. fought him twice. You know, so you want to know those like broad strokes of their history and does it tie into something? Uh, you know, like, like, like Rogan was talking about the eye pokes and then he turns to DC and then DC's, I thought I was hoping you weren't going to say anything, but um, you know, so that part is just, that's just a natural part of like keeping it in your memory bank. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Felder's dealt with this. All right, Paul, I remember you dealt with this in the past, you know, but it's not really a part of your preparation. It's just relying on your knowledge of the sport following it. But um, in terms of the chemistry, like that's part of, I mean, it's part of being a professional. Like you get in it and you're just like, oh, when I get in this job, I'm just going to have a, you know, back to like why I love the job so much. It's just like, I viewed it as like, so I wasn't in a fraternity, but like I viewed it as if, oh, cool. Like my job can be buddies you know with your people fellow sports fans hey we'll probably golf on the weekends and whatever you know and then like i'm gonna be best friends with everyone i work with because we all love sports it's like yeah that is not how it works <laughs> uh like you know you work with all different types and i'm not talking about the ufc i'm talking about my journey up like i didn't play around a golf with a coworker until i was in boston i was like hey didn't you get the memo we're supposed to be like boys and like go golfing on the weekends why are you so weird um but like um, but like I, you know, with the US, it, so it's part of being a professional to have that chemistry on the air and, and be good on the air. But like with the UFC, I haven't had to force any of it. Like, and I think that it speaks to the, you know, great ability of our boss, you know, Zach, who his job is to put the puzzle pieces in place to like stock the chessboard, you know, and ultimately got to find guys that will fit together. And that's not the entirety of it, but when it came to pairing, like he paired me and Felder on the contender series that first season for a reason, mm -hmm. you know, like he thought that we would be good together. And it just so happens that he was right. Like Paul's from Philly. I'm from the Northeast. Like he's a funny guy, good guy, What you know, just he, he, you know, and he didn't even really know our personalities. Like I didn't meet him before working with Paul and I didn't meet my boss in person before working with Paul, but I think he got the sense of it from people that we did the audition with. And I think he looks for that and they're like, all right, now we're going to bring in an analyst. Like we know DC can be good with everybody. He's just right. the most jovial, friendly, nice guy. We know that, um, that, you know, Bisping has his characteristics and Paul has his characteristics. And then like, you know, you got to fit, you know what I mean? Like um, that's part of like finding the roster. So with the UFC, the chemistry thing has been like the easiest part of the job. You know, I think that I, even as the new guy to the sport, got the respect of everybody because I loved it so much. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a forced thing. I've, I've talked about my time at ESPNU and it was like a lot of fun work with great people. But like, if you're on network number three for ESPN and you're doing halftime of, you know, Houston against Tulane college basketball, like that's something I'm not watching. You know, if I'm at home, if I have the night off, I'm not watching that game. But if I have the, uh, you know, when I don't call a UFC event, I'm watching it. I, I'm watching the whole thing and none of it's a chore. Um, so I think, you know, when you have the true 
true love for the sport. I've jumped in and been like, wow, this is awesome. Like total respect for what they do. Got into jujitsu, like, you know, just, just immerse myself in the world. And I think that they appreciate that about me. And then, so it's made the chemistry a lot easier and uh, something that's not really a question mark. And I still think, and I think uh, what's also all the more impressive is, so you're 38 right now, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe that's the youngest of at least the play-by-play or, or of the in- broadcasting crew other than the fighters. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Annex, you know, early 40s, and I think John Gooden's right there, yeah. So do you feel like, um, and I think you actually, it was funny that you mentioned it, um, I believe on the first, or your latest episode of your Fitz Nation podcast. People yeah. People go check that out. Um, Calvin Cater, I was listening to that this morning, um, where you talk about uh, how this. Hey, were you listening or did you watch it on YouTube? You know what? I listened and I thought the quality was great. I wanted to. Did you like it? I did like it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the quality of the interview sounds the same, but I was just like, I need to put more effort into the audio and then I think, but I was just curious. No, I think the, I think the audio sounds great. And I like the, uh, well, I like the intro because I was about to, to, to quickly quote it. I don't know if, well, paraphrase it, um, where you talk about how this, I think America is very kind of goal driven. Um, and I think, you know, my question to you is do, maybe it's not necessarily in the form of setting goals, but you know, I mean, you started end of 2017, we're early 2021. So you've been there about three years or so. Um, what, you know, what is, you know, managing those expectations and make creating new expectations as you go? What are there any real goals, if you will, for lack of a better word, or where do you hope to see? the Brendan Fitzgerald career in five or 10 years. Right. So that, yeah, that's a good talking point because um, it's tough. Like, so like we had to do company goals or what as part of like endeavor, you know, you have a year end, like a lot of companies, a year end evaluation. And then like sometimes goal setting. I don't know if I have to do the goal setting this year. I haven't seen that email come across yet, (laughs) but like, that's part of it. Like what are your personal goals for this year? Here's company priorities and whatever. And like, I didn't know how to answer that a couple of years ago. I was just like, if you're telling me to write down goals, like tangible goals, like a goal to be successful should be specific. Like you hear a lot of people say that. And it's just like, if you're like, I don't want to write this down, but if you're telling me to write down goals, then I would say, I want to call a pay-per-view. But like, that's in no means like I'm coming for John in. <laughs> right, right, right. I think we have the best quarterback room that I've ever been in, in terms of knowing each other's roles and having respect for each other. Like I love anytime I get to hang out with them, uh, which doesn't happen enough because we have the same job. But like, so like when it comes to goals, it's like, I, I you know, it, it's not up to me. So, so how can, how can I say I want to call a pay-per-view and that's a goal? That's, that's not up to me. That's right. up to somebody else. So that would, that's a bad goal. And and that's not even something that I necessarily want because, you know, like John Gooden almost was in line to call it in Fight Island. Cause we saw in the documentary, like Anik had a, a false positive. Right. Is he going to, and he was just like, that's not how I want to get it. You know? And it's just like, I, I only want to just be respected by the people that I work with. I want to have the fans enjoy the shows that I do. And so in, in, in lying with that, it's like, you can't really set a goal in terms of play by play. You know, I, unless your goal is going to be, I want to sit next to Joe Rogan and call a title fight in Madison square gardens. It's like, well, that sounds nice. Like I bet that would be a lot of fun. But, um, I, if you set that as a goal, like a goal of mine was always to anchor sports center. And then I realized like anchoring sports center is not something that is up to me. I, I can't be like, I'm going to anchor sports center now. Mm. Cause I deserve it. 
That's not what happens. So you have to, in this business, it's really weird. Like setting specific goals is good for, you know, instead of get in shape, say, I'm going to run a half marathon in July. That's, that's, right. you know, the goal type of thing. But um, what happens after the half marathon? You're just going to go back to eating like crap. So, you know, I have really into like the process based um, thing of like what I can control and like what allow me to continue to have success and, and be better in what way possible. So like podcasting is kind of a good thing for me, but I've never set goals on like subscriber counts or downloads or anything like that. To me, the most important thing with my podcast is just like, did I do 40 episodes this year? You know, did I, did I, did I not just like blow it off and take a three month break? Cause I didn't feel like doing it or like, you know, process based on that, on something that I can control. And then like, if, if I put the effort into what's important to me in that regard, then it'll just grow by accident. It'll just grow as a side effect. So yeah, I mean, in terms of my career, I would say like, you know, if you say, what's your, what's your dream job is always a good question for anybody. And my dream job has like constantly been pushed. Like my dream job was working in Boston. Then I worked in Boston and my brother's friend, he actually made me think a lot. Cause he was just like, now that you have your dream job, what's your dream job? And like immediately I was just like, well, this isn't it for me. You know, I'm not just going to do this for the next 40 right. years. Like I have so much that I can do outside of this. And so I've kind of kept that thought everywhere I've gone. And it's not like to be dissatisfied with something, but just to know, like, don't get, if you get somewhere and it's your, like if you're an NFL quarterback, that's your dream job, but you got to like be better at it and right. do more with it. And you can't just be like, cool, I made it. So now I'm good. It's like, you got to like push the envelope even further. So with, you know, if you talk five, 10 years down in my career, I hope I'm, it's like, it's foolish for me to say like, I hope I'm doing the same thing, but I, I could see doing that. I feel like I'm finally in a job where I could sit here for the next 20 years if they'll have me and be perfectly happy with it, make a good living with my family. I love Las Vegas. I love the UFC. I love the sport. Um, but I'm, I hope that's not all. I hope it's not that plug and play. You know, I hope there's other projects I can do. Um, maybe my podcast grows, you know, maybe it leads to other sorts of things that, you know, so like my, I have my dream job number one, but I love interviewing, which is why I started the podcast. So do I have an, a bigger interview show? You know, like, mm -hmm. like, a, um, I, like I love David Faraday's show on the golf channel, you know, where he traveled around and it's like a glimpse into this person. It was like a half hour show, but it's like, or an hour depending on who, but it's like, it doesn't have to be, um, just golf. You know, he, he talked to Charles Barkley about golf and, and about his life and stuff. And so like those, that type of thing is something that interests me that I've been able to start doing with the UFC. And so like, who knows where that can grow while I'm doing the UFC play-by-play -play thing. Right. And also, I'm also curious as to, um, with the current situation that you're in, um, if there's something that you've learned that that perhaps you wish uh, you knew at a younger age, or that you would uh, give as a as a piece of advice to someone who is looking to get into this uh, sports industry from the broadcasting standpoint, um, that you now know that you perhaps didn't when you were when you were younger coming up the ranks. Yeah, I mean, this is a question I get a lot, and I appreciate it every time because everybody wants to improve, and like. The best way to improve, you could say, is to look at somebody who's had success and then ask them, what did you do? You know, it's why Tom Brady is selling books now. Um, and so, so, but, but the other part of that too, is I just feel like it's very different than like when I started in Casper, 
I don't even know if you, well, YouTube was a thing, but it wasn't a thing. And, um, you know, to get my, you know, when I was sending out resume tapes at, at the end of my senior year of college, I was sending them out on VHS and like, you, you could send an email, but then they'd have to match up the email with the VHS tape that they would eventually get in the mail and put the, it's just, so you just had to send a cover letter and a VHS tape physical. Then with Wyoming, same thing. I sent a DVD and like I had like a stack of DVDs and my uh, reporter friend that I went to college with and I'm still great friends with is like, he would always comment and just be like, go in and on interview. And he's just like, it's so depressing. They have a stack of DVDs this high on their desk. What are the chances they're even going to like, you know, they use it as a coaster. Are they going to even put the thing in? So now it's so different. YouTube channel, links, email, LinkedIn, all that stuff. But having said that, network like crazy. I mean, that's how, you know, the break happened for me in a seafood restaurant, but it has, it could have just as easily happened on LinkedIn where I sent somebody a note to a fellow Ithaca College graduate that said, oh, I'll help out this person or, oh, Brendan, I have a son named Brendan and they went to my school. Let's see what this person's about. Like blanket send out stuff like that. Um, start your podcast, YouTube channel, or your resume tape, like always be working on it. I mean, I had to check out a camera from like our TV department and then go shoot fake standups around Ithaca College's campus, like stand in front of the lacrosse field and just make a fake story, literally a fake. You I still just have all this. I have the VHS, but nobody has a VCR. Oh, right. Like that, I would, have go, a, that would go viral on your, if you post it. Right. That. So like, oh, you should see my hair. It's super yeah. long. Um, same kind of same kind of hairstyle or no like it was long as i oh, played like, hockey so i wanted oh. it to come out of the back of my helmet oh wow yeah so it was you know but um you know and i still have them like and i still have copies of casper but they're on like mini dv and it's like i've tried to digitally convert them because i would go to the i'd go to the well with those on instagram <laughs> but uh i'll get it it's on my to-do list for 2021 but yeah so like you know Network. I mean, it's boring. It's 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 boring because it's the same advice that everyone gets. But network, start your podcast, start your YouTube channel, all that stuff. But I will say, other than that, like, what do I wish I learned? Wish I started reading books a lot earlier. Doesn't matter what. Read Harry Potter for all I care. Just read books. Your vocabulary will improve. I just happen to like like personal development books and stuff. Um, and a lot of people will scoff and roll their eyes at that Tony Robbins and call it bullshit. And it's just like, no man, like to it's like, it's like the high school cool kids club being played out with adults. It's just like, oh, you listen to that. What is it? Your self-help, self-help, whatever. And it's just like, well, what are you perfect? Like, are you the kid who gets C's, but so you don't want to be too smart. Right. You don't want to be too good, you know? And I like the personal development space is starting to be a cool thing. You know, like Gary Vaynerchuk is starting to make it like this, this thing where it's like, it's okay to like really want to improve yourself or work on stuff or like read books that, you know, like Mark Manson has really good books, yes. you know what I mean? And so it's like um, books like that in that genre that are just helping you to whatever, you know, and you think that reading a book by Mark Manson about giving an F might not help your broadcast career, but I'm here to tell you it will like right. in some, you'll take something from that book that will just make you live a different way, think a different way, be a little bit more creative, like be a little bit more self-reflective on is what I'm doing, getting me towards that goal. Like, I, I always thought that being part of a, you know, being a good sports guy on TV was like, oh, I have to live the part of the fan. Like I have to drink a lot of beer in the bars and uh, be the drunk fan who calls into the sports talk show because I'm on the other end of it too. She's like, no, 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 you don't have to do any of that. You know, you can 
you can be, live the life that you want, not fit in any mold that you thought that you were in and, uh, and make your way and like figure out the best things to help push you on your way. You know, people will roll their eyes at Tom Brady and his body coach, but it's just like guys, 43 is in the playoffs. All right. We're still going to laugh at him. We're still going to like roll our eyes and say that he's full of, full of crap because he's only selling his, his, uh, agenda. Or are we like, maybe it works too, you know? And uh, so that's what I've kind of tried to do with like, look for lessons in everything, you know, look for, for a way to improve in whatever, and it'll just naturally spill over into your broadcast journey or whatever you want to do. Now, quickly to wrap things up, obviously you're, you're still very young, but I, I, I'm always curious into, into hearing if uh, you've ever thought about uh, the legacy you hope to leave, perhaps as, as a broadcaster, um, hopefully, obviously a lot of, long healthy years ahead of you um but as a broadcaster uh as a father as you mentioned husband as a man um you know what do you ever think about that uh and is that you know for some people it guides them and for some it doesn't but um is that something you've ever given given thought to i mean i've placed value on my health more than ever before over the last year and a half my mom passed away in uh september 2018 and like that was kind of an epiphany for me in terms of like our health, you know, our health is all we have, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, what, no matter what field you want to be in. And so, um, you know, my family's just made changes over the last year and a half or so. It's just, we are just looking at our health, like health is number one, you know, like, is this a healthy thing for me or not mentally, physically, whatever. And, um, you know, it's not like I'm perfect in that regard, but I'm just like, like I said, I always used to think like, Oh no, the, the sports fan eats a bunch of pizza and drinks a bunch of beer. So that's what I've always thought of myself as that. And then I was just like, but I don't have to continue being that because that's not going to serve me well. And so, um, I've always tried to like, just, uh, I don't know, like, like I blew up in Wyoming cause there's not much to do when it's super cold outside. I eat DiGiorno's like every night I was, I got up to like 270 pounds. Are you huge. serious? Yeah. And so, um, what do you have you right know? now? I'm like 215-ish, 210, 215. I sit in that range. 270. Um, right. Yeah. I know it's big. My, and my mom asked me when she saw one of my tapes that I sent home, she said, what did you swallow a turkey? Because it was like right after Thanksgiving. And um, so like then I was just like, okay, I got to like look good on camera, look decent. I never wanted to be the huge guy on camera. It's just like, what are you doing talking about the athletes? Like there's sports, there's sports talk hosts that are Jason Whitlock. Could Jason Whitlock play any downs at quarterback? Like, but he's the one sitting there criticizing a guy. And that's not to pick on him. He's not the only one. This just came to my head. But like, you know, so I, I was just like, well, I don't want to be that ever. You know, I want to like at least look like I have the presence of an athlete of some sort since I'm talking about sports. But yeah, and that's just evolved. But um, you know, in terms of the legacy, like, like, I don't know, like my name is, you know, my voice is already going to be attached to some big moments, like I've said, and hopefully those moments continue. But I hope my legacy is a lot more than about some highlight real moments. I hope that when people hear that, they they think like, um, you know, that man, Brendan was a great guy to work with. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's important for me to have the close relationships. Like, yeah, it's great that I can call a game or call call a fight like I can. And that's awesome. And I'll have those those moments that are just are part of the fight pass library and whatever else I go on to call. But um, I don't really think about that as just like my son can look at that fight call and like be proud of it. It's just like, I'd rather 
set him on the path of like what's important for me in the big picture so that it can be important to him in terms of like his health and how he lives so that he can have a long and happy and successful life because uh you know it kind of starts with with how we're all feeling about ourselves and how we're all feeling physically and, and all that sort of stuff beautiful people can uh they can follow you on instagram and twitter at brendan fitz tv and then, of course, subscribe, listen to the Fitz Nation podcast that you can find pretty much everywhere, I, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's on, yeah. YouTube, I mean, Apple's everywhere. podcast app, Spotify, all yeah. that good stuff. Yeah, Amazon, Pandora, whatever. Perfect. I don't know who listens to podcasts on Pandora. I don't know either, but they started maybe, it. Yeah. maybe this year's the year. <laughs> uh, Brendan, it was uh, an absolute pleasure, honor to have you on. Um, it really means a lot. You know, I, uh, I'm a big fan of yours and, you know, a big fan of the UFC. And so whenever I get to see... Uh, commentators that I enjoy, especially all the all the UFC ones are really great, and especially right. you. Um, so pleasure to have you on my show. And if you're ever, you know, I mean, hopefully, uh, if we ever travel again, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? I'll see you at 2025. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> maybe at, at the Garden or, or here at Barclays yeah. Center. Um, love to get you in studio one day, but uh, oh, you know, in, until then, uh, man. How old are you, Felix? How old do you think? I think you're uh, 26. 20. 20 yeah where do you go to college boston university or, actually you go to bu i go to bu all right how do you like it so you're uh, virtual school a virtual school um how do i like virtual school is a well whole, no i mean just like did it, you go to boston at all did you go for a so year? i actually went to uc santa barbara my freshman year of college oh you failed why did you leave santa barbara well, okay boston? okay but see i'm a new yorker and you understand this being yeah, northeastern North i know like I know. they walk around barefoot people are too nice yeah, you, you yeah. know what i mean like i miss well, especially if you want to do the sports media thing well right so i actually i'm right now i'm, I'm currently in the business school at, at boston okay. university so i'm i but yeah. i might transfer over to the to the communications broadcasting side um because right. that is a something that in the past few months i've gotten more interested in but uh but i love i mean i love the city of boston um yeah it's a great place that's to, funny it's a great that place to, it's a you, great place to go to school well yeah so boston is a great college town and this is all this is blasphemous what i'm about to say but people like boston has a very big inferiority complex to new york as you probably know and like our sports teams are obviously competing superior. on the same or, or you know superior level but like if you give me a, a city to go visit for two or three days, I'm picking New York every time. People, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I love New York. Like, I'll, I'll wear the oh, I love New York t-shirt. That's interesting. It's just, like, so cool. But then, well, I don't know, if, but I couldn't live in New York. I don't know if I could really? live in New York. I don't know. Like, I always you tell strike wife, me as someone like, who could. You strike me as someone who could live in New York. I, I probably could. Like, um, I always, my wife's from Hawaii, and I'm always like, when we're older, we should like get an Airbnb in New York for like three months. We should do like a summer in New York, like in Manhattan, mm. you know, and just like live it. And there's a, obviously a bunch of, you know, pluses and minuses to, to living in the city and as there is anything else. But I just, when I was there, I covered the Super Bowl in New York. So I worked in Boston, but I was covered the Broncos Seahawks Super Bowl. And I was, it really hit home. I was in awe that Times Square was closed and taken over wall to wall with fans and a giant slide and whatever the Lombardi trophy. And it was a big museum and um, three blocks over. It was like, nobody knew the Super Bowl was happening. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like anything in New York, it's a different world on every block. And I just, there's, there's some parts of that that is so cool. And then there's other parts of that that are kind of lame. Like, like if the Bruins are in the playoffs, they're Bruins hats and t-shirts across the city and you can walk in any 
Dunkin' Donuts and be like, hey, man, how about the bees tonight? And if you go into New York and you're Never. just like, hey, Rangers, huh? And they'll just be like, excuse me? Yeah. Uh, I'm from Hong Kong. <laughs> talking about. No, that's a so, great point. You know, there's, 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 you know, good and bad parts of it. But I love the fact that you could go to New York City 6,000 times, eat in a different restaurant for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for every single one of them and have a different experience. In Boston, if you go there 10 times, you, then you're probably repeating stuff. I would agree with you on that. I would say food-wise, there's some great there's some great spots in Boston. But yeah, you probably yeah, no, no, no. are but repeating like, it. You're if probably you get are repeating your favorite it. 10 it's, restaurants it's so much in Boston, smaller. Gonna, it's so much yeah, smaller. Exactly. It's way people don't understand how much it's tiny. It is. Yeah. I go to the I mean, same really three small. neighborhoods. You all can the walk time. it. You can walk the yeah. whole city of Boston, basically. But I think yeah. it's uh I think living having grown up in New York City my whole life and then going to school in Boston now, I think for me it's the two best places on the East Coast. I just yeah. I love the people. Right, right. And well, uh, you'll get like, and it's funny because then since you grew up with New York, you know the good and the bad parts of yeah. it. And then you'll see the good parts of Boston that you never thought were there, you know? Right. And then, you know, it's just kind of funny how that works. Do you ever, do you ever come back to Boston? Uh, haven't, I mean, I was at the UFC event, um, when we were there in October last oh, year. Oh, like, you, oh, you I, were there. Okay. So I was, I went I did, to the I UFC. did like the desk show. Oh, you did that one? I was, so that's you, when I, so I actually, I had Anik on the show that Monday. Didn't you meet him then? Exactly, I saw him exactly. put on his Instagram. Exactly. And I and I'm talking I, to the same guy, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. That's yeah, what I yeah. Thought. So I I had I had him on the show on Monday by like some random tweet. I like tweet at him, I'm like, hey, will you come on my podcast? Yeah. And he tweeted back. And uh and so then I had Anik on Monday and then he like linked me up at, before the event on Friday. Um, but that was that sounds so foreign in a in a in a world where we can I know. go to sporting yeah, October twenty nineteen. So I was there, but um yeah, my brother still lives on the Cape. He actually lives in the house we grew up in. They took it over wow. from my mom. And so, uh, and then my dad has a place on the Cape, but he lives in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, we it's on my to-do list to go back there and see family and stuff right. like that. Obviously, it's not happening anytime soon. Right. But, you know, I'm like Tom Brady, too. It's just like, I'm out of the Northeast. I'm not dealing with winter anymore. <laughs> That's why I say Santa Barbara. Man. It's just do, like, do you enjoy the, I wish I went to. Do you enjoy living in Vegas? Yeah, really like it. Really like it a lot. I mean, um, met my wife here and she's from Hawaii. So it's kind of like in the middle, but, uh, the desert is cool. I she grew up with the ocean. I grew up with the ocean. We love the beach, right? We go on vacation anywhere. We, you know, it's the beach, but, uh, somehow we just love living in the desert too. So yeah, it's been cool. Beautiful. Yeah. Hey, uh, well, thank you again so much. 20 for... years old. You're way ahead of the game. <laughs> you tell me what I should be doing. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's right. In the past couple months, I think, especially with, with basically watching UFC, um, yeah. it's just, you know, have, having had Anik on a while ago and, and staying in pretty go close contact with him and um, seeing people like yourself, I just think you guys have the coolest job in the world. Yeah, man. And, uh, it's pretty cool. Just to it's be, I don't know, cool. just like it's, the moments. It's still cool when we don't travel, but even, and then like you throw in the travel element right. too, when we're going to Stockholm, Sweden for three or four days right. at a time. And it's just like, cool, a couple of restaurants in Stockholm, Sweden are awesome and going for a walk here and then Chile and different parts, you know, just Auckland, New Zealand. Like, it's just, it's a, it's an incredible job, both in the execution of fight right. night and just the, what surrounds it in terms right. of being able to see the world is just uh, like, pinch me, man. Cause I would be happy being a play-by-play -play guy for the ACC. But right. if I had to go to Blacksburg, Virginia three times a year, I'd be like, I'm getting over know, this, you know? know so know. yeah, it's great. Well, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see, uh, your continued success. And, uh, again, hopefully, hopefully see you sometime soon. Thank you so much. And I'll, I'll keep yeah. you posted when everything's out. All right, man. Keep in yeah. touch. Take care. All Thanks, right. Brendan. Awesome. Thanks, Felix. Bye-bye.